This is Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master, creating products customers love. Get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad. I have a special episode for you, sharing an important discussion from the Everyday Innovator 2020 Summit, which was a virtual conference with 24 fantastic speakers. I wanted to bring one of those episodes back now because two weeks ago, Grant Hunter discussed what is product management. And this discussion with Steve Johnson that we had at the summit really fits well. He also happens to be a business partner with Grant, and Steve did a masterful job at the summit addressing the nature of product management. What is it really about for us? And it provides an important perspective for anyone in product work. As this was a summit presentation, the format of the show notes will be a little bit different, but we do have those show notes available for you. The easiest way to find them, just go to productmasterynow.com. Everyone, welcome to an exciting mastery. session about what is Hope you enjoy product hearing management. This special the product manager. This is by a repeated guest from the Everyday Innovator. Uh, that's Steve Johnson joining us. He's also one of the founding trainers and longtime trainers at Pragmatic Marketing, and now well known for his work at Under 10, where he uh, put that group together, where he does speaking uh, keynotes like this for groups. He also has written a number of resources, including his book, Turn Ideas into Products, and uh, probably most of all, coaches thousands of teams about product work. So, Steve, thanks so much for being with us. Glad to be here. Tell us about what is the product manager? Well, that's what my presentation is about today. Shall I just jump in? Let's jump in. So, what is product management? Uh, this is the kind of inquiries that I run into all the time when I do my consulting work. I feel like I'm one of the two Bobs. You know, what do you do here? And what I hear people say is we seem to just sit in our offices and shoot down bad ideas all the time. And sometimes the bad ideas shoot back. Um, so, you know, a sales guy comes by and says, I talked to a guy or a marketing person comes by and says, hey, have you heard of the cloud? Uh, you know, an executive comes by and says, you know, God spoke to me in a dream this morning. And we've got all of these ideas and we're not really quite sure what to do with many of them. And uh, that's why perhaps... 47% of our time is spent in unplanned activities. It feels like we're cleaning up the mistakes made by others or perhaps putting out the fires created by others. And so the question for today is, do you want to put out fires or put out products? And here's what keeps executive teams up at night. It's the elephant in the room. How do we sell more of what we've built? Can we build what we've planned? And have we planned the right products? And it's unclear who takes the lead on each of these. You know, in some cases you might say, well, the VP of sales takes the lead on this and the VP of marketing takes the lead on that. But I see all of these as product strategy issues. And yet titles are an absolute mess. What one company calls a product manager, another company calls a program manager or a product marketing manager. And so that's what we'll look at today, a very simple way of thinking about activities and titles and trying to answer the question of what is product management. So if you were to look at all the activities we're involved with, we do things like customer discovery, we write stories, we do prototyping, and we do demos and RFPs and FAQs and, 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 and. It's all too much. After all these years, many firms completely lack clarity on what product management should do, and that's why product managers are doing a little bit of everything. 
But when in doubt, we can always go back to the grandfather of modern business, Peter Drucker, who said, in a well-run organization, each role has a single orientation. They either support customers, that is customers one at a time, or they support the market, that is the market full of customers. So let's go back to this graphic of product activities and cut it in half. You know, some of the things that we do are about customers, the stuff shown here on the right, and some of the things that we do are about markets. And let's take that a little bit further. Within market, we could cut that in half too. And so if we make this a three-column chart, we see some of the things we do are about problems that we're researching in the market. Some of these are about solutions we want to deliver to the market. And some of these are about the actual delivery. So let me move that out of the way for a second. And there's one other aspect. Some of the things we do, if we cut this now uh, horizontally, some of the things we do are about things we'll offer in the future as opposed to what we're offering now. The future things are you know, what we have planned in terms of markets we're going to serve and products we're going to build and services we're going to provide. And then the now stuff is you know, what do we have available today? So this is how I get to thinking about different departments' primary goals. For the companies I work in, development and engineering is focused on markets and future deliverables, but they're focused on solutioning, right? So there's a, three things going on here. They're building solutions for delivery in the future for a market full of customers. On the other hand, our friends in marketing are really talking about the solutions we have now. And they're providing solutions in the context of go-to-market and sales enablement tools. And then our salespeople deliver those solutions, the ones we have now, to our customers one at a time. And in some cases, some of the customers I work with uh, commit to professional services building future deliverables or future capabilities that are specific to a single customer. But in all of this, who is responsible for understanding market problems, understanding both the market and the market's problems? And that's where I put product management. Product management is about both the now and the future. It's about problems and it's about market. And the other challenge is product management is often called different things. Some companies call it product management. Other companies call it product marketing. Uh, some companies are now calling it offering management. Uh, there's lots of different titles there. But when I, when I think about this myself, when I'm in you know, teams of, of uh, consultants like me, we tend to think of product management this way. Product management is about finding, identifying problems in the market that we will build things in the future to solve. Whereas product marketing is looking for problems in the market for the products we have today, the products we have now. And that problem is, those problems are growth related. It's how do we sell more of what we have? Not so much what products should we build, but what products, how can we sell more of what we have? So here's how I think of the primary responsibilities in a typical company that I work in. And you can then use this as kind of a template for all of these activities that we're doing. So if we were to look at this grid and say, all right, let's talk about customer discovery, which is a funny phrase. I mean, customer discovery is really market discovery. Um, but customer discovery is engaging with the market and identifying 
problems that they have that we want to build a solution for. And that's about problem discovery. And from that, we write stories and requirements. And then we move into solutioning by doing, say, a prototype. Uh, and from there, we build features, which we ultimately demo to the customer. Now, what's interesting to me about this is as we went through those three columns, other uh, departments took the lead role. And we'll come back to that point. Uh, a similar one, product marketing has one of the n- number one f- forms of research for product marketing is win-loss analysis. It's a great way of finding problems in the way that we sell, in the way we sell and market and deliver. And so we do win-loss analysis and we realize that we're answering questions badly or we're not articulating something clearly. And we sit down with our friends in marketing and say, we've got this problem we're seeing in our win-loss analysis. How do you suggest we solve it? And they say, oh, gosh, you know, we get so many questions about that. We ought to create an FAQ database. Or maybe we should create a video with our CTO talking about our technical underpinnings. Or maybe there's an ebook in here about, you know, industry trends. But based on win-loss analysis, we create an FAQ database, and that drives all of the RFP work that our sales teams have to do. Instead of responding to RFPs one at a time, we've got a database of answers that we can copy and paste from. And what we're finding is if one team doesn't do its job, other teams fill the void. I don't know that much about sports, but I'm pretty sure your goalie is not supposed to be your top scorer. You know, people say things like, I need you to be a team player. And yet team members have roles. They have places on the field they're supposed to be. They have jobs to do. And when they don't do their job, things fall apart. So so here's how I think about the different roles in the organization and this three, uh, three different aspects of each of them. But let me take it one step further. Instead of cutting... um, Cutting it into two rows, let's cut it into three rows. Because here's what I'm seeing lately. We've got one person in the organization focused on what's coming in the future. We have someone else focused on what we're building for delivery next. And we have someone else focused on what we have today. And those three phases translate nicely, I think, to three roles that I'm seeing in a lot of the um, mature organizations I'm working with a product strategy role led by a product manager, sometimes a director of product management, a product planning role, which is primarily the product owner role or the technical product manager, and then the growth role, uh, which is typically associated with product marketer. And as they do their work, they identify problems that are uh, causing us to not achieve growth or problems that are causing us to not go forward with our plan or problems that Uh, exist in the marketplace that we should solve with new features or new options or new products or new services. And with those three roles, we've got people dedicated to planning the right products, building what we've planned, and selling what we've built. So for those of you thinking about roles in your organization, do you want those three roles on the left focused on markets and problems across the three horizons? Or do you want to continue squandering this valuable resource called product management as they provide product support to development and services and sales and marketing? We'll be back in just a minute. 
This podcast is sponsored by the RPM Experience, the Rapid Product Mastery Experience. In just nine weeks, meeting 75 minutes a week, product managers, teams, and leaders become product masters, creating more value for customers, their organization, and themselves. You will build a broad foundation of product management knowledge, get everyone on the same page, while also improving collaboration and renewing a focus on the customer, all resulting in higher performance. Participants feel empowered and more confident about their work. They learn how to create value for customers and revenue for their organization. One product leader who used the RPM experience across a global organization said it is the only training that provides an integrated product management perspective. It did exactly what I needed. Many organizations have benefited from the RPM experience, and you'll find them listed at productmasterynow.com RPM. Go to the same URL and schedule time to talk about how Chad and his team can help you and your organization. In one of the clients I visited, I found the product managers were writing statements of work for professional services. What had happened was um, they got a new head of professional services who figured out that the salespeople were taking all the professional services guys on sales calls to act as sales engineers. And he said, we got to stop that. So he set a rule that 100% of services deployment had to be billable. So the sales team didn't have access to the professional services people anymore. And somewhere along the way, somebody said, well, what about statements of work? That's not billable either. And so they tried having the salespeople do it, which turned out to be a disaster, as you might imagine. Uh, And then they said, well, who else is bored? And so they started having the product managers completing the statements of work. And the statement of work would clearly fall in the customer column. That's something that should be done by professional services. Um, Likewise, I find salespeople saying, "I, I don't have an adequate sales engineer, so can you support me? Or marketing says, we don't know that much about the domain or the technology. Can you uh, help us write this ebook or help us know what trade shows to go to or, you know, help us in our marketing plans? And with the adoption of Agile, it seems that many product managers have stopped being product managers and are now really development managers or at least development resources, doing what I call reading aloud from JIRA. So that's the real question for us to ponder today is, Do we want someone focused on strategy, planning, and growth, or do we want to relegate the product management role to a support role? So here's what you can take away with this session. Write down all the activities that you expect from your product team today. You know, um, uh, presenting the roadmap, stakeholder communications, uh, writing requirements, writing stories, writing personas, uh, creating business documents. List out everything you can think of and then eliminate those that are related to single customers. Product demos, going on sales calls, answering sales questions over the phone. And then take the ones that are left and prioritize those that are related to market problems. The ones that will help us define what products we should build next, uh, what products we should build in the future, and how we can do a better job of supporting the products we have now. An unknown academic at Yale University in 1966, I don't know how we know that, not Albert Einstein, but he said, whoever it was said, if I had one hour to save the world, I would spend the first 55 minutes defining the problem. So maybe we should be problem managers instead. I think a lot of times that just the word product throws people. They say, well, you should know everything about the product or you should do everything related to the product. 
maybe we should be talking about problem management rather than product management. And you can get more ideas like this in my book on modern product management called Turn Ideas into Product, uh, available now on Amazon. But let me finish with one last story. I took my nephews whitewater rafting in Nantahala, North Carolina. This is not my family, by the way. Um, and I chose to sit in the back next to the guide because I figured he was going to get the least wet. And my two nephews wanted to sit up front so they could steer. So they had a bad day. <laughs> As you can imagine, uh, anybody who knows anything about rafting knows that the steering is happening in the back. Uh, but it was so funny to watch. The, my um, one nephew, Russell, would say, I want to go that way. And he'd paddle as hard as he could that direction. And the guide would mess with him and he'd turn the, the rudder and suddenly we're going that way. And Russ is like, I'm winning, you know, and then uh, Jeff would want to go the other way and Jeff would paddle as hard as he can. And then the guide would say, hey, watch this, you know, and he turned Jeff's way and Jeff was like, I'm winning. And we went down the river. We had a great time and we got to the end and uh, got out of the raft. And I was like, this has been a blast. You know, I'm, I'm ready to do it again. And they were almost incapable of movement. They were completely exhausted because they'd been fighting the river and fighting the guide the whole way. And when I think about product management, I think of them as the guide. We've been down this river before. We know where the rocks are. We know that a sentence from an executive is a month of work for a development team. We know that if we put things onto the roadmap, there's lots of reasons why that may slip because other things come along, more important priorities occur. Um, so we've got experience going down this river. Or we've got experience got, taking an idea through the development and marketing teams into the hands of the customers. We've got experience doing this. And if everybody's trying to steer, that's why everybody's exhausted all the time. So I'm Steve Johnson with Under 10 Consulting. Um, here are my coordinates. You can reach me at steve at under10consulting.com or on Twitter at sjohnson717. And if you'd like a copy of this presentation and some of the worksheets that I've provided, you can go to u10.me slash everydayinnovator. Okay, great information. A few questions for you that came up as you went through that. Uh, first, kind of the foundation of all of this is that uh, difference between are we solving problems or are we putting out fires? And I mm -hmm. think a lot of product managers, at least the ones I talk to, would say that they're spending too much of their time, if not all of their time, putting out fires. Mm -hmm. um, and some have, have said, you know, Chad, I don't know what I'm going to be doing when I go to work any given day. Uh, there, there's just new fires to put out, and they, can, they are consuming my time and energy. Um, and that's not, I, I'm sure that's not what we want to be about, and that's not what you're proposing we're about, right? About right. Right. focusing on problems. Well, research tells us that Product managers have spend 47% of their time on unplanned activities, you know, the firefighting activities. So mm -hmm. you're right. I mean, any given day, odds are you're walking into some sort of storm. Yep. But if we could just, if we could just get 10% more or 20% more time focused on, you know, the actual role and not just the firefighting role, imagine the increases in productivity. Yep. Big difference. And uh, we also want that, right? When, when I talk to product managers, we want to be engaging with customers and understanding what the needs are and the problems more deeply. Exactly. That's where we find satisfaction. Exactly. So, well, so one of my tricks is 
forever ago, I declared Thursday to be International Productivity Day for product management and product marketing. And I've encouraged every product manager, product professional, product marketer to work from home on Thursday is to get some work done. And then instead of five days of firefighting, we've at least got four days of firefighting. Which is a big difference. We, we, we need yeah. that focus for sure. Indeed. And that's, you know, that's when I do all my writing. You know, I do my business planning. I do my road mapping. I do my deep thought stuff. And in early days, you know what? No kidding. Uh, my, my family was like, oh, dad's home. Let's go play with dad. You know, can you take us to the store? Can you pick me up after school? Can we go out for pizza? And I'm like, no, it's Thursday. It's productivity day. So for a while, I had to work from like the local library because, you know, they never asked me to do chores or drive them anywhere. Uh, and then, you know, my kids got older and they understood that this was a work day, not a, not a dad's home pretending right. to be sick day. Right. It's not just time away from the office, which means time off work. Right. Um, but, but just getting that purpose, you know, like that's the purpose for the day, right? My purpose mm-hmm. today is to solve problems that I haven't got to solve yet. And, and and it's a different mindset. And other people will do the same thing. You know, maybe Thursdays for someone is all the day, all the time that they take meetings. That's when mm-hmm. they make their phone calls. And mm-hmm. Having that purposeful intention for the day, I think, is a really good tip. Um, you talked about what keeps executives up at night, right? They're big concerns. We want to sell more of what we have. Did we build the right thing in the first place? And are we planning to build the right thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to that planning part, right? Have we planned to build the right thing? Uh, I, I think that is probably something that um, probably creates the most sleepless nights for product managers because mm-hmm. we're, we're concerned. Of, did we actually do the right validation to know that we're down the right path or not? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are some quick tips for helping us with that, for doing the work of planning the right thing and knowing that we are on the right track? Well, I always fall back on research, right? Um, It's sad as I talk with many product managers who really struggle to find time and then have access to Mm -hmm. customers so that they can do feedback. And this is something uh, I think I'm seeing. Uh, More and more, I'm I'm running into product managers who uh, do have easy access to customers. And in prior years, it was like sales owns the customer. You can't talk to them without a salesperson. And the salesperson would say, well, don't go talk to that person. You know, I've got a sales call you can go on. And so often people would say, you know, how much do you learn on a sales call? You know, and, and the real answer is not much. You know, when you're on a sales call, you should just be on the sales call. You know, go ahead and talk about, you know, what's coming in the next release or go ahead and talk about, you know, the underpinnings of the product. But you're not going to learn anything new in that kind of a venue. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you have a plan, I think uh, definitely engaging with some of your customers on how that plan would solve problems for them. Uh, one technique that I love is a customer advisory board. I've always had three or four or five customers that I could share my secrets with and know they weren't going to go any further. Um, I once called uh, a CTO at a, well, at a well-known company. And said, you know, we're dealing with some security issues here. Can you walk me through it? You know, we're thinking about addressing it this way. What do you think? And having that continuous feedback from the market is, the, I think, the critical aspect of knowing that you, you're planning the right product. Yeah. Uh, ha- having those relationships is very important. So a good follow-up question then would be building those relationships. 
In my personal experience, I have found sales, the sales team useful. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of that depends on the trust level you have with the sales team. Right? Sure. If they trust that you're not going to mess up their account, that makes a big difference. Um, but getting those introductions to the to their contacts and then earning that trust to be able to have those kinds of conversations. And it sounds like your customer advisory board was an informal thing that you created that I don't even know. Did you tell anyone else that you had this thing? No, I didn't. I didn't. Right. It was but one of you your know, secret tools. Yeah, it was a secret tool. Uh, the first customer advisory board I did was really quite funny. Um, it, it, I was newer at this, and, and uh, the sales team nominated people to be on the customer advisory board. And at the first meeting, I figured out that they were all the wrong people. You know, they were all buyers, not users. Uh, they, many of them were really very self-centered, which, you know, you would expect people to, to be somewhat self-serving. But um, at, at, at one break, one of the VPs came over to me and said, you need, one of us needs to leave, either that guy or me, because I, he, he's telling you about how to customize the product for him and only him. Uh, and the, the others were much more community oriented. I mean, they were like, you know, I know we need this, but let's make it available to everybody in the market. They understood that we were a software business, not a consulting company. Anyway, um, I, yeah, I think customer advisories are great and getting, uh, getting sales buy-in for that is wonderful, but it can't be a sales tool. It has to be a research tool. Right. And some organizations that I've worked with, we don't have easy direct access to the customers. And I think the, the because of the organizational context itself, you kind of get stuck in that mindset. Like, well, we don't have people we can talk to. For example, we have relationships with distributors that distribute our products, but not actual mm-hmm. end users. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of breaking out of that mindset and saying, well, what can I do? Could I, can, is there some way I can conceive intercepting customers where, where they are buying our product, where they're using our product and try to get some direct feedback? Mm-hmm. And there's ways to do that. I think in every instance, it just might feel a little bit unnatural because you haven't gone down that path before. Right. And I think, you, you know, you called out it. It is unnatural and it's a shift in mindset. I was working with a company who you probably know their name. And, and I, I, I had suggested strongly that product managers need firsthand experience with customers and potential customers. And the people in the room, many of them were from the sales organization and they just kind of flipped out and they're like, you know, no way are any of these product managers talking to my customers. Uh, and I said, and they said, you know, we're, we get everything we need uh, from our customers and, and we, the sales team will tell you. And I said, okay, well, tell me about your last engagement, you know, the last conversation you had about future capabilities for the product. Who were you talking with? And they said, well, we were talking to our Chicago sales office. And I said, well, wait. That's not a customer. And turns out they thought it was. Um, it reminds me of the BlackBerry story versus the Apple iPhone story. BlackBerry thought this, the cell phone providers were the customer. Mm. They thought AT&T was the customer. And they went to AT&T and said, we're thinking about putting a web browser in the phone. And AT&T said, please don't. You'll break our network. Right. Right. And Steve Jobs says, hey, I'm going to put uh, a web browser on the phone. And they said, please don't. You're going to break my network. And he said, well, then you better fix your network because I'm putting a web browser in the phone. Mm-hmm. And Steve knew who his customers were. BlackBerry got distracted by thinking that the people who carry the product are the people who buy the product. Right. 
and having the, we need to get as close to the customer as we can, which means we should be talking to the customer and getting those insights. So how, how do Absolutely. we ha- have more confidence that we're going in the right direction with our future products? As you said, it's through research and those customer interactions, which leads me to another question I want a little more context about. So you're talking about what we do now, next and future, right? And what we do in terms of the market and the customer. And you made a comment about we need to eliminate everything as product, as in this context, as problem managers, what product managers mm-hmm. should be doing, that we need to eliminate the activities that focus on single customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want some more context about that because, you know, talking to individual customers is really valuable for us. Fair enough. I, I would agree with that statement. Uh, what I see is product managers spending an awful lot of their time as subject matter experts for the sales force mm. or for services or for uh, customer support uh, um, because those organizations are either understaffed or underskilled. Mm-hmm. And I worked with an organization last year. They had, I don't know, 10 or 12 salespeople and no sales engineers. And they had a very complex product sold through this direct sales force. And the product managers were going on sales calls continuously. And I agree that sales needs a sales resource, but it should come out of the sales group. We should have sales engineers or pre-sales consultants, or whatever you call it. And, and my comment to the CTO, I'm sorry, to the CEO was how many other departments are hiding their headcount in product management? Because product managers are level three support. They're writing um, statements of work for professional services. They're creating, you know, they're doing product support, as I call it out in in my slides. Mm -hmm. Didn't you want them to be doing, you know, the strategic bits? Right. Yeah, it's a big distinction. Um, We get pulled into things. And that that was something else that you talked about was you said, if one team doesn't do its job, other teams must fill the void. And I think the big question for everyone watching the session is, are you doing the work that really should be done by you? Uh, Mm -hmm. Or have you just gotten, it's kind of convenient to step in where things aren't getting done because you know you can fix it. It's work that you Mm -hmm. might even be able to do quickly, but is it really work that you should be doing? Indeed. Well, I, I, yeah. Um, Another, and another aspect of that is I talk to a lot of technical folks who want to move into product management. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I can't, I must get five emails a week from somebody saying, can you advise me how to move from a development role to a uh, product management role? And so a lot of product managers do tend to be technical. And one of the things that we find them doing is moving into the development portion of my little diagram there. So a, a job posting may say, you know, we need you to know prototyping software or be able to create wireframes. Well, guess what? That's solutioning. Mm-hmm. So product managers are supporting the sales effort. They're doing solutioning. They're writing specs for the sales team. They're divvying out tasks. They're doing program management or development management and writing all the copy for marketing because they have the domain context. No wonder they don't have any time to do what they were hired for. Right. Right. Yeah. Um Here's the beautiful thing about product management, and I always think of that uh, bicycle tire diagram, right? The product manager is these in the middle of this. It's the hub of everything, mm-hmm. and the spokes go out to all the other parts of the organization. And as mm-hmm. product managers, we're used to that. We work very cross-functionally and with all the other groups, right. and it's easy for us to step in and help with problems other places. 
Um, not only is it easy, as you've already said, we often get asked to, right? The, the sales team is asking us to become sales engineer to help represent products. Maybe the professional services group is asking us to come in and, and help them. Um, mm -hmm. It's easy to get pulled in lots of directions. Um, knowing when we should say no so we can focus on what we need to mm -hmm. is really important. It is. And yet, you know, I, I want to be a good guy, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I when there's a an enormous sale on the cusp and I'm the guy who can, you know, make it happen, that's cool. But that should be the exception. Right. The concern I have is when it becomes the rule, it becomes standard. And now I'm staffing a different department and not right. doing the work I was hired for. It's kind of funny. It, uh, when I When I took over a marketing department years ago, I said to the marketing team, never invite salespeople to a meeting. And they went crazy, you know, like salespeople want to be here and, you know, they've got all this inside. And I'm like, you know, I agree with all the things that you said, but at the end of the year, if the sales guy doesn't make his number, having helped you on a trade show or a campaign or a program is not going to save his job. Right. Right. Um, at the end of the year, if development doesn't ship code that works, it doesn't matter what else they got involved in, you know, and it just seems like everyone's pretty clear about the primary role of sales or services or development or marketing and product managers should become clear on I'm the expert on the problem. Mm -hmm. Let the solution people solution, let the delivery people deliver. And yeah, I want to help out on an exception basis. Right. And I think teeing up the conversation ahead of time on that exception basis is important because mm -hmm. as you said, you know, if you got pulled in to help with the big deal, you know, the big sale, um, that feels good personally. It's like, hey, we, you know, I, I moved the ball forward here for the organization and I got to build some new relationships. Uh, it feels great. And, mm -hmm. and to be a part of that, at the same time, you did great work. So guess what's going to happen next? You're going to get asked to do that more times, right. right? Right. Absolutely. So teeing it up ahead of time and saying, okay, I can help with this, but we're going to need a system going forward so this doesn't become the norm. I think Correct. it's an important conversation. Correct. Okay. I got two more things for you. So okay. one is that you talk about all these different titles. Um, <clears throat> I really like the distinction that you made between what we think of today as product manager and product marketer. And the product mm -hmm. marketer is working on the now stuff, the products we have today. How can we do a better job selling those maybe into new markets, getting people to, to be repeat customers, that sort of thing. And the product manager more focused on what's coming next, the, the future. Um, I'm just curious about your reflections on both of those roles. Um, and maybe even like which one you would prefer, which one you like. Mm. The, um, and I ask this because I have quite a few product marketers that must be listening to the podcast because I get the emails every now and then. And they ask the question, well, how, how can I get into product management? Um, mm. And after talking with them a little bit, it often is the case that they're actually already doing quite a bit of product management. That's not, what I was going to say. Yeah, not only are they now looking at how do we take our product and maybe reframe it for a different market or a different use, mm -hmm. they are very much involved with, well, what is the next version of the product going to be? Um, and, right. and that's future, right? That's product management. So right. I, I just would love to hear your thoughts on these two you know, kind of standard roles that are out there. Well, here's what I think has happened over the last, say, 10 years. We adopted Agile, 90-plus mm -hmm. percent of us. Uh, most of us adopted Scrum. Scrum says we need a product owner and a bunch of product managers got renamed product owner. And before you know it, they're completely subsumed in development. Uh, development says, I need you sitting next to me all day long. 
Um, I need you to represent the customer, but you can't go visit them, right? So what we've seen is a lot of product managers became product owners and are uh, and don't have time to research the market. Mm-hmm. And product marketing, you know, if, if one team doesn't do its job, the other teams will fill the void. Product marketing is finding itself in this thing going, well, you know, I guess I better figure out who the personas are and what problems they have and what markets we're going to serve and what products we ought to build. And so in many organizations, product marketing is now doing the strategic parts of product management. And guess what? That means they're no longer doing growth, Mm. you know, focused on the product we have now and how to expand its success in the marketplace. So once people stop doing their job, you know, other people step in to fill it up. But then, oh, wait, they're not doing their job. But, you know, your, your question reminded me of a session I did a few years ago. There were nine product managers in my group, and I had gone on my little rant about sales and, and, and support and services. And one of the, the product managers said, you know, well, Steve, I don't hate salespeople like you do. And I'm like, dude, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't dislike salespeople. I love salespeople. One of, you know, some of my favorite people are salespeople. But product management's job is not to support them. I just want everybody to do their job, right? So anyway. He said, but the thing is, I like that stuff. I like doing demos. I like writing RFPs. I like going on sales calls. And I'm like, that's great. It's also called something else. It's not called product management. Um, But, you know, hey, if you want the product management title and you want to take on that role, you know, fine. But that's kind of kind of screw up everybody else in the industry. And what we ended up doing with them was kind of was really, I think, funny. Let's do it that way. Um, we, there were three, there were two others who said, I feel the same way. I love going on sales calls. I love it. You know, when we go to national sales kickoff and they say, you know, Hey, Steve is our number one product manager. Cause he supports the sales team. You know, um, I love that stuff. And I went, well, great. Why don't the three of you devote a hundred percent of your time to supporting development? I mean, supporting sales. And then the other six of you can do product management. Mm-hmm. And everybody was happy with that. And one of the sneaky things that I did was I let them keep the product manager title, which I wish I hadn't done. Um, And then I named everyone else something just terrible, like director of product innovation and strategy. Nobody wanted to take them on sales calls. They didn't know anything that the sales team wanted. Or so they thought, right? And so the sales team was like, you know, I love to take product managers on the road. And you know who else they like to take on the road? The president. But the president doesn't go on every sales call for every sales rep. They only Mm -hmm. go on, you know, the really critical ones. Right. And we should be the same. So I I love the change in titles there. Um, So calling the existing product people something that sales would not think of that they want with them. That was clever. What would you have recalled the product managers? As you're telling the story, the first thing I thought was, well, we now have sales engineers out with the salespeople. Mm-hmm. What, what would you have called them? Yeah, um, I, the issue for them, and I think for many, is they like the gravitas of the product manager. Mm. Um, and customers tend to uh, not value what salespeople say about what the technology can do. Mm. It was kind of funny when I was, a, I was a sales engineer for years and then I moved into sales and I was going on a sales call with someone I had trained. 
and the client asked a technical question and I forgot my role. I fell back into my old habits and I answered the question. And the client turned to my sales engineer and said, no, really. What is the answer? <laughs> because as soon as I had become an, uh, a salesperson, apparently in, in her eyes, I couldn't be trusted uh, as much as a technical person. Um, I, I don't really like the term sales engineer, although I've used it my whole career. Hmm. Um, maybe something like implementation consultant. Uh-huh feels good. You know, here's somebody who is an expert in, and you know, that's another real quick note. Um, back in when I was a sales engineer, we started people off uh, in post sales. They did training, they did implementations. And then after some period of time, they would train a replacement. And once their replacement was trained, we would move that person into pre-sales. Uh-huh. And what, what we found was sales guys don't want to take the new guy on the road. Why would they, hmm. right? The sales guy knows more than the new guy does for sure. Um, but the, you know, having someone be an implementation consultant and then becoming that on a pre-sale side makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The, the other aspect about that that's brilliant is, and I kind of wish more salespeople had this experience, and some do because they're in long-term relationships, but knowing how the customers implement the solution and mm-hmm. the things they actually have to live with impacts how you position and sell the product as well. Uh, uh, totally. I totally agree. Really I have a friend who's been in sales his whole career, and yet my first, well, not his whole career, he was a sales engineer, and I hired him as a product manager. And he worked, as a, worked for me for about five years as a product manager, and then one day said, you know what? I'm tired of fixing everybody else's problems. I'm going into sales. 20 years later, He's still selling and he has become a trusted advisor. Mm -hmm. He knows the technology. He knows the domain. He knows the market space. And he consistently gets inbound calls from people on his cell saying, I don't know where you work now, but I need some advice. So it's not that they're calling, you know, the big name company. They're calling Bruce. Right. Because he knows how to implement solutions in this market space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a powerful reputation to have. And yeah. people work with individuals, not with companies. And the other little you know, side note that I'm sure is true is he probably made a whole lot more money as a salesperson. Probably did. It's just how things work. Okay, there was one other thing that you said that I think is so valuable. I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before, too. And you said one sentence from an executive can mean a month of time for the product team, the product managers, the developers. Um, let's just explore that for a minute as we wrap up here. Um, tell us more about what you mean by that. Hmm. Um, sure. Uh, I, I took on a job where the, I sat down with the president. And the president said, you've got to do something about development. Those guys are terrible. So I go to development and I say, hey, the president tells me you guys are terrible. You know, what's going on here? And they say, well, that's one way, you know, me always building bridges. Um, they said, that's one way of thinking of it. But Uh, we're practicing a method called requirements aging. We don't work on anything for a while. And as we're, as he's telling me this story, the VP of development comes in and says, guys, stop what you're doing. I'm getting new requirements. Every Monday, this company has a senior leadership meeting and they all come up with a thousand new ideas and they dump them on the developers every week. And and the developers said, you know what? We're not going to work on anything until it's gone through a few senior leadership meetings. So I went the following Monday to leadership and I said, I found the problem in development. It's in this room. Hmm. You guys need to shut up. 
if you have an idea, do not go to development, bring it to me and I will put it in the queue and I will prioritize it for business value and I will put it on the roadmap. And then development can be the factory that you want development to be. Right. And this company had gone 18 months without finalizing a release. And after my arrival, we had a release in three months. It wasn't a big release. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, I changed the future of the world, but um, we got into a release train. You know, yep. every three months we're shipping a new version. And we tried to go faster. We were able to, but our customers didn't want software that fast. Mm-hmm. So we actually got down to a kind of a continuous release, but a formal quor- a quarterly launch. Yep. Uh, and the issue difference. was, you know, everybody, everybody has ideas. They're wonderful ideas in many cases, but they need to go through a vetting process to make sure that we're not whipsawing our poor developers from one project to the next. Mm-hmm. And thrashing in development is perhaps the number one time waster. The other time waster being, let me pull one person off this team and put him on that other team. And every time we do that, it reduces the productivity of both teams. Right. It's a very big waste. Good. I I appreciate that story. It's something that someone needs to be in the organization, like the role that you're in, that others can go to, whether it's the product manager, the developer, whoever's being impacted, and say, this is what the executive just said. We we need some tool to deal with that. And we should Mm -hmm. be able to push back and, and even say to our executive that, okay, what you just asked us to do is going to take us a month of work to address. Do you mm-hmm. want us to stop doing what we had planned to be doing for the next month? Or how does this factor in, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think a lot of times they're just simply not aware of the impact of what they're talking about. And by the end of the day, they might be on to the next thing. And they didn't really mean go work on that. That was just what was in their head at the time that they're thinking about. They were just talking about it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. And I, I think we've maybe not done a very good job of saying, well, here's the impact of what you just asked for, which is why having a roadmap and you know a, an, a, a some form of a prioritized backlog to say, that's a great idea. It's got high business value. We're going to start working on this instead of that. Right. Yeah. Um, and we, and we but, need a tool know, for that. I but. think every sales guy and every president has had the experience where he throws a conniption fit and things happen. Mm-hmm. So that becomes learned behavior. Right. Instead, we need to just say, well, you know, I'm, I'm your boy. I'm willing to do the work. Let me show you the impact of what you've asked for. Mm-hmm. The one approach that I learned from a project manager that I liked very much was to uh, bring the executive into, this was into her office, where she had post-it notes all over the wall for the different work that was going on and the backlog work that needed to be addressed and said, this is what is planned for the you know next period of time. Mm-hmm. What do you want me to not get done? Mm-hmm. Right, and it's just, it's a very easy visual way of conveying. Right, we have a plan in place. What you're asking for will impact this in some manner. Totally. Well, you know, and I like paper. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I I've had a computer since you could have computers in the home, right? But there's something tangible about seeing index cards on a cork board. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you just can't see in software. Right. Um, and so I, I would, I'd argue even in, you know, here we are in well into the 21st century, I still think there's a lot to be said for a Kanban board with post-it notes and or, you know, index cards. Yep. It just makes sense. 
Okay, Steve, really good information about what is product management in the terms of the different roles and our timeframes in our organizations, right? What we're doing now, next, and in the future. Are we really acting strategically? Are we focused on current fires? Or are we really solving important problems? And frankly, are we doing the work that we should be doing? We really need another team to step up to do. Um, I really love the information in the presentation and thanks for being with us. Glad to be here. Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.